Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. and gentlemen i am your host blake rafino this is are you serious sports we hope that you guys are making it a good one we know that we are as well episode seven zero zero how about that man how about that (laughs) how about that you gotta love it man anytime you do something 77 or 700 times it's a lot that is a lot but it's good to be here it's good to be with you here tonight we have a lot to discuss we talk LSU and Georgia baseball preview (laughs) I I had to get my notes we talk LSU baseball preview uh here tonight the BK lockdown effect is, or BK's lockdown is in full effect. Something that LSU is attempting to do that has not been done since 2001. We talked about that a little bit last night. We're going to talk about that a lot more here tonight as we talk about a little bit of recruiting uh, as well. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us at 7.30. Looking forward to hearing from 
uh, our good man, Wilson Alexander, the best man with the best hair in all of LSU sports and athletics. He joins us here at 7.30. We do some SEC projections. So if you just listen to us on the Rafino and Joe show, we're going to add a little bit more context into uh, my thoughts. We'll start doing this SEC preview and really just college football preview more as football gets close. So I'm really excited about this. As I told you last year we'll be uh, starting to expand around June the 1st in reference to talking more national stuff at the end of the shows. So I'm really excited to be talking about some SEC East here uh, with you tonight. Cam Jordan signs a contract extension. We did not, we weren't able to talk about that last night because we talked a lot about Logan Diggs coming, becoming an LSU Tiger and what that meant for John Emery along with talking some baseball. So we will talk about tonight. We will talk about um, the Cam Jordan extension. It's something that you got to, um, you got to love because it's not every year, it's not every day that you have a guy that stays um, at one place his entire career, right? Like, it just doesn't happen a lot. It just doesn't happen a lot. So we'll touch on that uh, tonight here as well. Levi, our first comment of the night, says, We are here, episode seven, hundo. That's right. That's right. Appreciate you being us, uh, being with us here, Levi. Delton says 700 and counting. Smash that like and share button app so freaking lootly. Father Matthew Christopher Abair says 700 big dog. So grateful to all the time and energy you put into this. Me too, man. <laughs> I love it. Here's to 700 more as we cheers. I have a bottle of water. No more alcoholic beverages with me on this show. Unless it's a post game and LSU loses a game, they shouldn't. <laughs> uh, our good man, Adam, on YouTube, my man, sends us $13. Uh, dollars and I guess dollars and 99 cents. $13.99. I don't know. Adam, what's the Canadian currency? What is the Canadian currency? I don't know it. I don't know it. Um, Maybe I did just break some news. <laughs> I see this from Holden Lee. I thought the Saints offered him. You're right. What did I say? He signed a contract extension or is getting a contract extension. That's what I meant to say. Thank you for correcting my words there. Uh, Eric Wright says 700. Thank you, my man. I appreciate that. Adam also says, um, hope you watch that Champions League final. There's going to be some LSU repping there. Okay, I'll have to do that. Dave Bergeron says, good evening, Blake. Congrats on 700. Thank you. Very much for that. Douglas Kimball says, and I'll be here for episode 1000. Thank you so much, man. DK says, congrats. Thank you, buddy. And Adam says, 14 Canadian dollars is about $10 in the U.S. Okay. I dig that. I dig that. Preach. Much love. Bill on YouTube says, Keon Coleman on live said, we want all the smoke in week one. Well, good for him. Listen now, he's been out there talking some trash. Keon Coleman been out there talking some trash now. Don't make Louisiana exile Opelousas. Because we will exile Opelousas high, fast, and up in a minute. Don't be doing that on your city now. Don't, look. Here, listen to Keon Coleman. If Keon Coleman ever listens to this, somebody can clip it and send it to him. If Keon Coleman ever listens to this, but I know that you're aggravated that Ed Orgeron didn't offer you. But here's the truth. Send it to him now. I know what you know and what LSU was preparing to do 
So don't be hitting LSU with no smoke now. They told you what the business was. Just because you got your feelings in some kind of way doesn't mean nothing now. You know that that's right. You know that that's right. Don't be playing them games now. Don't be playing them games. Uh, Chad on YouTube says, Coleman wasn't taking his chances jumping into that wide receiver room at LSU. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. Uh, Levi says, I think I was bad luck the last two SEC series because I was at both. Don't worry, I'll be at home this weekend. How could you be there when they're losing, Levi? Jeez, I'm beans. Brandon Ray says, getting Jawan Johnson and Logan Diggs was huge for BK. Yeah, sure was. Sure was. Uh, Purple Kush, thank you so much. On YouTube says, watching from Maine, go Tigers with a $4.99 Super Chat. Thank you, Purple Kush. Perfect name. Perfect name for a YouTube channel. Purple Kush. You got to love it, man. You got to love it. All right, a couple more, then we'll get rolling here. Brandon Reese says, I doubt he would get much playing time at LSU anyway. Eh, I don't agree there. Considering, eh, I don't agree. I don't agree. Nope. Bill on YouTube says, the winner of Florida State LSU will make the playoff. You can mark my words. You know what's interesting about that? And we probably, um, you know, we probably could go on a little segment and ask the question, is, um, hmm. Could Florida State and LSU be a national championship uh, uh, appetizer? Could it be? Could it be a preview to what we see in a national title game or a playoff? Man, it could be. Both both teams are just so so similar. Veteran offensive line returning check. Guys at the wide receiver team returning, check. Going and getting a former Louisiana wide receiver from another school to transfer it in, Aaron Anderson, Keon Coleman, check. Decent running game, check. Dual threat quarterbacks, check. Defensive linemen that are really good, check. Uh, five-star guys out of the portal, uh, DB, check. Similar, man. Very similar. See who who prevails here. See who prevails. Chris Lomax says, I want that DB from Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was a big LSU contingent about it uh, last night. It was, they, were, they were getting after it. Don't know if you saw it. I also don't know if you saw the NCAA football game was back, but they did. The, the, the entire LSU team, a lot, not an entire, but a lot of the LSU team was pumping up Andre Sam, uh, who is the safety from Marshall that is in the transfer portal that LSU really does like. All right, one more, then we'll get rolling. Uh, Penn Jones. Who, Penn Jones? Who? Who? Says Diggs is going to remind a lot of people of another great number three we had, Kevin Falk. Man, I hope so. She, she. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Everybody, do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of your social media pages. If you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget. Like, subscribe, and notification bell. We greatly appreciate you doing that for us. It helps us out when you hit that like button on that algorithm. So the more people that are inside the chat right now, do us a favor. Hit that like button because it helps your boy out. If you're listening to us on, uh, or oh, not on, but if, you, if you're listening to us wherever you listen to podcasts, 
If you're listening to us on you, uh, the TuneIn app, Sirius XM, wherever, rate, rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate you doing that. Let's take our first break. We're back soon. Don't you touch anything. You continue to listen to us. We'll return in just a minute. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Vardo and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down on the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you, and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons, go see them over at 2500 Fuller Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell them your good friend, Blake Rafino. Sit you on by. We're, We're back. back. All right, let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Jamie Lear says, Salmondra. <laughs> Salmondra. Uh, Mike Tiger on Facebook says, Blake, you don't want that smoke in NC2A, the football game. Let me tell you something, Mike the Tiger. I will smoke you, dude. I will smoke you, bro. If, in case you missed it today, uh, it was announced EA Sports is bringing back the very popular video game uh, and that teams will, or, or they will, allow players through their name, image, and likeness. I'm assuming will be a lot like the NFL. Everybody receives the same. It's a cap, and you got to opt in to be on the video game. And look, I'm excited for it, man. Uh, I played NCAA football more than even remotely what I played uh, Madden. And I do believe that it was where I found my first love and why I love college football so much. You know, so I don't think that my parents will hate me saying this. But we didn't grow up, or I did not grow up, you know, and look, when I say this, my parents never let me go without. They did everything that they could. And I am not saying that. My parents, both of them, Especially my mom has been there for me and, 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 and my dad. I don't, I don't, but my mom was a single mom and every summer for my birthday, I would ask for NCAA football game and she would give it for me. And man, let me tell you something. I would play that thing. I would play that thing as long, long, so freaking long, man. I loved it. I would go and play with other schools. But you know what? It was really the only dynasty I ever kept and just really wanted to keep going. I always played at LSU. And I found my love there. And over all, you know, why I I cater more to LSU than I ever do the Saints. I love college football because everything it gives me on a Saturday and that stupid video game. Stupid video game. So, I'm glad it's back. I will play it. it. Is what it is. Doug No says $500 a player. Hey, man. I mean, think about this. Think if there's 85 scholarship players. Doug, just for example, think if there's 
85 scholarship players in 130 programs. So 85 times 130, right? That's 11,050. Now, times that by 500, and that's 5.5 million. It's a lot of money to fork out, man. Uh, Father A. Bear says, I know every school's fights on because of the game. That's true. It's honestly where I learned a lot about it. I'm serious. Like, who the rivalry games were and, like, when, like, the third weekend in October and just so many. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Tiger says they make $100 million off the game. That's true. I, 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 that's true. That's true. Uh, Doug knows says they have a $5 million cap. There you go, man. So there you go. Right. I mean, look, I'm just glad we're getting the game back, bro. I'm just so freaking glad that we're getting the game back. All right. We got to stop talking about this stupid game. We got a lot of real life shizite. We need to talk about. Okay. Stop me. If you've heard this before, LSU is going into a weekend series where they're playing a team that can somewhat hit pretty well. I said it last week against Mississippi State. Got a lot of pushback. Said that against Auburn. Got a lot of pushback. And I said it against Tennessee. Still got some pushback. Said it against Ole Miss. Got a lot of pushback, even though they did hit pretty well in that series. Here I am against Georgia doing it again. Now, the averages for Georgia are not like what you saw against Mississippi State and even Ole Miss for that for that matter. They don't have the guys that hit for average like Georgia. But man, they got they got some dudes. Charlie Condon is a flat out dude. For hitting 415 on the year. 24 home runs. 65 RBIs. By the way, he was at 22 home runs on Sunday. Guy's been red hot. Connor Tate hitting 390, 15 home runs, 53 RBI. Barks or Parks Harbor, 17 home runs, 53 RBI. They have some dudes that can really swing it. Really, really swing it. I know you want Jay to do some different things in the bullpen, and I know you want Jay to do some different things and maybe, maybe moving skeins around here and there. Doesn't matter. These dudes can hit, and they might not get to postseason play, and Charlie Condon and Connor Tate collectively together are hitting over 400. Both of them have 15 home runs plus. Parks Harbor is, has hit 17 home runs of the year, hitting above 300. I'm not worried about Friday. I'm not worried about, I'm not remotely worried about what is going to happen with Paul Skeens on Friday. Paul Skeens is going to be Paul Skeens. I'm worried about Saturday and Sunday. Now, Skeens will be against a left-hander. Now, Georgia is throwing a left-hander in every game this weekend, but he goes up against Jarvis Evans, who only has thrown 17 and and one-thirds innings. Is a 4.67 ERA. He's 2-0 in the season. Looks like a lot of teams are conceding when you when they play against Paul Skeens. Ty Floyd goes on Saturday and Charlie Goldstein, 44 innings pitched, 3-1 on the year, 4.50 ERA. Going against Ty Floyd, and then the guy that's been starting all year on the mound is going on Sunday and Liam Sullivan, with Javen Coleman that LSU announced. He's thrown 60 innings. Or damn near 60 innings. He's 4-2 and two on the year. What did I say? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Adam had a... Andrew, I mean, excuse me, had to had to get me on that one. What did I say? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? You get what I mean. <laughs> you get what I mean, Andrew. Let me, I'm changing it in my notes. 
<laughs> Skeens goes tomorrow. You know what I mean. Come on. Andrew, on se episode 700, can you give me a break? I'm used, so used to saying Skeens going on Friday. But yes, he's not lying. He's not even remotely lying. <laughs> either way, either way. I've said this all week. I'll continue to say it. I'll continue to say it. When you get in a situation where you got your backs up against the wall, and it's so crazy to think a 40-win team in the regular season has their back up against the wall, but it feels that way a little bit. It does feel that way a little bit. Does it not? Does it not? There's a lot of things going on. A lot of people get aggra getting aggravated. How can they respond? How can they respond? Find out. All right, let's get to a couple comments really quickly. Ryan says, so another 14-16 game on Saturday? Maybe. Maybe. Doug No says, correct. Oh, we... Sorry. Trey Patton <laughs> says, 07 Reggie Bush was lit. He was. He was. Penn Jones says, every team hits good with these new juiced balls. Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down in the comment section. Do you guys believe these baseballs are juiced? Because I do. I do. I don't think guys got, mir got miraculously better. Uh, Trey Patton says, small sample size, Tennessee, uh, teams like Auburn and Tennessee are trending up and LSU is trending down. Hopefully, they can turn it back around and get on a winning streak. I agree. I agree. Paul Zub gives a thumbs up. Julius, Ryan, and Clyde all give uh, a thumbs up. Yeah, I think they are juiced, man. I really do think that they're juiced. Father A. Bear Pen, everybody giving the thumbs up here. I don't know if there's really another explanation that you can give. That you can give. Uh, Levi says, hey, Blake, I don't know if you've been asked this, but do you think teams are throwing their pitchers normally in regionals and super regionals? What do you mean? Do you think teams are throwing their pitchers normally? Oh no. I don't think I don't think Skeens I don't think Skeens will go up again. Like if you're the number one overall seed, let's say you got a five, you're the five uh, overall seed in the tournament, and on Friday, like you play a Southeastern. No, I do not think so. maybe not Southeastern, but like if you play a McNeese or a Northwestern, no, I, I do not believe that uh Skeens will go. Now I could be wrong there. I could be wrong. Uh, if you're asking about the opposing teams, I don't know that. I would think that they would. I think that they would want to keep their ace for in their regionals against Skeens. I mean, why, I mean, but what do I know, man? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be really interesting. All right, let me talk about this really quickly because uh, Wilson Alexander from the Advocates is gonna be joining us in just a minute. You know what's interesting? I said this last night, and we talked about it very briefly. We kind of gave a little context, but I want to give more. Now, I know I don't know where these people are from, but I, I saw somebody from Sports Illustrated or SI Now kind of steal our content last night. Um, but it's not really stealing anything. I mean, it's somewhat fact. But here's something that they didn't look at. So last night, and we talked very briefly, and I was mentioning that – there is a potential when you look at the state of Louisiana and the prospects that are in Louisiana for the 2024 class. Here's some of the guys that you already have committed. Green, Cobbins, McBride, Lee, Foster, Bro. 
here are some guys you're trending really well with. Dominic McKinley, Tylen Singleton, Wardell, uh, uh, Wardell Mack, uh, Joel Rogers, Young. You're trending for majority, if not all, the guys that you don't have, and you already have the guys that you do want, the top prospects in this recruiting class inside the state of Louisiana. You know what's interesting? If Brian Kelly is able to lock in on uh, McKinley, Singleton, Ward, Rogers, and Young, the last time that the state fully, I'm talking about fully, I'm talking about arguably the top, let's just call it 12 to 14, prospects inside the state of Louisiana. You know where you got to go? Now, Les got close a lot of times. Les got close a lot of times, right? Les Miles had a lot of good classes. So did Ed Orgeron. You know, like I look at Ed and see what he did in that 2018 class, right? He got a lot of guys from the state of Louisiana. A lot of the top guys. Terrace Marshall, Kelvin Joseph, Jamar Chase. You remember them. But, and I know that some of these guys, I know that some of these guys didn't really pan out. But you lost like a a couple of them that you kind of wanted. Like Eddie Smith, Slade Bolden, Glenn Beal. Oh, and by the way, there was a guy in that class that you didn't even really offer. And Arkansas came and got. His name was Joe Fouché. You know, I look at that 2019 class, right? Like I sit here and I look at that 2019 recruiting class under Ed Orgeron, okay? And I see that you get the Derek Stingley. You get the John Emery. You lose out on Ismail Sobsher and Christian Harris. Now, Christian Harris panned out. Ismail Sobsher did not. You lose out on a Devin Bush. You lose out on uh, a guy, another guy that's starting right now for you, and Greg Brooks. See where I'm kind of going with this? When I'm talking about fully locked down, the last time that you had prospects and the state was really locked down in recruiting, 2001 2001 Nick Saban, Hill, Spears, Clayton, Whitworth, Rudy, uh, uh, Sharon, Prude, Williams. All of them were that transitional class for LSU under Nick Saban. Brian Kelly trends. All right, let's go to our good friend, um, (laughs) Rick always on my rear end, boy. Rick always be on my rear end. Get to Wilson, Blake. (laughs) He's coming up next. Sorry about our good friends over the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. We return soon. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate next. By the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges, you need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vignair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft. It's the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Give them a call today at 985-386-7600. Tell me, your good friend Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us. Wilson, let me ask you a question. When you were a kid growing up, how much of the NCAA football game did you play? 
so much of it. <laughs> I went dynasty mode usually, played oh. that for as many seasons as possible until the next year came out, and then restarted a dynasty mode. Or I also played a good bit of like create your own player. Yeah, the road the to glory. Whole... The road to absolutely. glory, baby. Who is yeah, who is your go to team? LSU fans aren't going to like my answer. Georgia. Um, yeah, I grew up in Atlanta and um, <laughs> went to Georgia myself. And so that was the team I always played with growing up. Were, would you take out your frustration? Like if Mark Rick lost a really big game, would you take your frustration? Like would you go play the game like me and take out your frustration because your team lost? I think I did a time or two. And my dad likes to tell this story because I did the same thing with Madden. How? Because I would play that. I wasn't really much of like a like a, my games were like sports games and Star Wars Battlefront, which are some of my interests. <laughs> Me too, and, man. Uh, yeah. And um, if I was losing, like in the fourth quarter, I would just restart the game. Apparently, instead of taking the L, I would just restart it and play it again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man! If I'm losing, I get so pissed. I turn it off. I just like I don't throw controllers. I'm like, you know what? I'm having a bad day. I'm gonna quit, and then I'm gonna come back and reset and play later. That's what I would do, you know. But hey, I had less miles. I mean, that offense was potent that I could run on NCAA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, did you read this very quickly before we get into LSU stuff? Did you read that there was like a five million dollar cap? Are you kind of surprised by that? Like. They're putting like a cap on this on doing the name, image, and likeness stuff. Were you surprised? I don't know, surprise or, or not. I did read that. And I think it worked out from based on what I read to like $500 a player. Um, it's also, from what I understand, going to be kind of difficult just to get everybody in the game because you're going to have to go directly to them and, and everybody's going to have to, you know, sign off and agree to it and all that stuff. And so it's going to be hard to sort of corral however many thousands of football college football players to actually get their agreement to, you know, have their name image and, and their like their likeness in this case, it's all three, I guess, in this case, uh, for the game. So it could be a, a, kind of tough, but I mean, if you're trying to get every single person um, in the game, then, you know, that five, $5 million is, um, I don't know, that's kind of a lot. And so I don't, know, I don't really know what if I have a take or an opinion on that necessarily. I just kind of hope it works out for all college football fans sake that they're able to get a lot of the big names in the game and get them, you know, um, so so that the fans can actually play with those guys, and then and then so vice versa, those guys can you know see a cut because that's kind of how all this nil stuff started was with the game anyway and the lawsuit over it. So. Right. Well, you know, I was watching the movie Air, you know, the Jordan movie that that just came out, and uh, Sonny Vaccaro actually, and I didn't know this, I saw this at the end credits, testified in the Ed O'Bannon case for name, image, and likeness on the deal that they did. With Michael Jordan and the equity, you know, you, he gets X amount per shoe. And I'm like, man, this was such a great movie. You didn't have to tell me all that. You didn't have, I mean, college football could have been the exact same if Sonny Vaccaro and Michael Jordan were never alive. That's all I know. All right, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joining us. You told me today, buddy, that you watched a lot of Logan Diggs. Now, he obviously is the Notre Dame transfer. He comes in. I, I guess when you've seen a lot of him now, since you've been studying him a little bit more, What's your thoughts on Logan Diggs? The thing that jumps out on tape from him last season, uh, which is really what I watched was because, you know, being the most recent year that we have of him um, and more representative of what else he's now getting is that he's physical. He's a physical runner um, who can get downhill quickly. He doesn't really he's, – he's good at making somebody miss at the line of scrimmage and avoiding negative plays. Um, you don't see a lot of necessarily breaking off big sort of home runs. He's not necessarily – hasn't shown a lot of that uh, in his career, um, but he's able to, I think, do a really good job of churn his legs, be physical through contact, and help keep an offense ahead of the chains. That's something that Frank Wilson values in his running backs. Last year at the LSU Coaches Clinic, he gave a whole presentation about sort of two things, ball security and contact through the end of a run. And Logan checks off both of those boxes. He had one fumble last year, but it, Notre Dame didn't lose the, lose the ball. It regained possession, so he didn't really lose that at all. And then every single time you see on a run, he's lowering his shoulder through a defender at the end of the run. He's not somebody who's really scampering out of bounds very much, unless there's just absolutely nowhere for him to go. And that's something that Frank Wilson, I think, values quite a bit in his running backs, what he talked about during that coach's clinic. 
was coaching them up on lowering their shoulder through contact at the end of a run. Logan does that, and over time it wears down defenders and helps them break off some bigger things a little bit later in games maybe. So I think this is a good addition for LSU uh, on a couple of different fronts. A guy that has two years, look, he can obviously come back next season. I think that that's another big deal, I mean, depending on what his goals are. Um, I think we've all kind of known that Logan Diggs was trending this direction. Uh, Wilson, what does this say for John Emery? I I mean, for me, I I, I don't want to ask you, is this the last time that we've seen him? Because easily he could get the grades and he could get back on track and be there and Brian Kelly allows him back on. But, man, what does this say for him? Well, I think it says for across the board in LSU's running back room that there was, you know, some uncertainty and question marks. Um, I had a conversation with Brian Kelly about this last week in an interview with him. Um, that John is probably the main one because it's academic related. It's not injury where you have a little bit more of a plan to get somebody back. A lot of this is just on him to do the right things in the classroom. And when I asked Brian Kelly, you know, what is the latest on John Emery? He was still very noncommittal with an answer. The thing that he said most was, you know, the exams, which were last week, were going to be, quote, meaningful for John and that they're rooting for him. But, you know, he's got to do things to get back on the field. And that path, as Brian Kelly said after the spring game, is there. But it's just uncertain right now. You know, his status is up in the air. That's the best way, I think, to put it at this point. Grades were due uh, this week. Uh, and so LSU is going to have a much better picture of where he stands. Um you know, maybe summer school is also an option for him. And so, you know, this might not be finalized just yet, even though those spring grades are coming in. Um, we don't know. And so what it means for John, though, is also, I think, big picture, not just his availability next season, but, you know, when he got back from that academic ineligibility suspension, whatever you want to call it, it was like, all right, this is John and Emery's time to finally show, you know, this former five-star if he can be a bell cow star running back. And he's just hasn't been that. You know, and even and now with Logan Diggs coming into the picture, even if John does play next year, this is going to be a committee again. And John is probably going to be sort of a complimentary piece. He's explosive at times. You know, that run against Alabama, that run against Auburn, um, not necessarily run against Alabama, you know, catch out of the backfield, putting that foot hard on the ground. I mean, nobody else that LSU has at running back really has shown to be able to do those things, but he's not doing it every game and he's not always available. Now he's got this question mark. And so. His status is uncertain right now, and, you know, with Logan Diggs now coming in, I think, you know, for all these running backs, um, you know, Logan's going to be somebody who's competing for a lot of reps, a lot of playing time, and um, sort of affecting the way that LSU, the pecking order in in some ways, and and John's going to feel that if he is available, you know, he probably won't be getting quite as many carries in an already pretty deep room. You know what's interesting is I, I I read when you had talked to him, were you shocked to find out that Armani Goodwin kind of had a little bit of a setback? I mean, is this not a- nec- not, not as sh- I was more shocked to hear that he could be cleared for preseason camp originally because he had a pretty significant knee injury um, from what I understand last fall. And uh, okay, um, so it was more than just a hamstring then. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a knee injury that, that kept him out. Of the, that was what kept him out at the end of the year. Okay. And so um, it was more surprising to me. I was like, oh, wow, he could be clear for preseason camp. That sounds like that's great progress. And then what Brian Kelly said, that actually sort of walked it back a little bit and said that, you know, they, that gave them some pause that they don't, aren't exactly sure where he's going to be at the start of camp. That sounded, you know, it was a little bit different from what he had said before, but it sort of sounded kind of accurate for, you know, um, or at least uh, made sense for, you know, for what Armani's been dealing with with any injury. And, um, you know, he was doing some straight line conditioning during the spring, but, um, you know, that's certainly, you know, you don't exactly know where he's going to be. And, and Josh, I don't think was having, had, didn't have, we don't know all the particulars, but I don't think he had as severe of any injury as Armani did. And so, you know, he's expected to be a participant at the start of camp, but as Brian Kelly said, they don't know exactly at what level that is. So that's, again, some more of these question marks where Logan Diggs, him coming in, uh, that LSU felt was a necessity to have a little bit of clarity and certainty. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, look that that the, the offensively they have pieces, man. They they have a lot coming back. And I am a big Caleb Jackson fan. I've been saying like, you know, we talked about this last Monday about like we talked about him for twenty five minutes. I think he could do something special. 
But I do think it's it's interesting to watch and why Noah Kane make I mean Noah Kane. Uh Logan Diggs makes a lot of lot of sense here. Uh Wilson, Brian Kelly has somewhat been making the rounds and you got to speak with him again this the, within the past week. Was there anything that you learned that was like eye-opening? Like I know you talked about the running backs, but you know I know a lot of people have asked him about Brian Polian. But what was the biggest thing that you learned in, in speaking with him this this past week? There wasn't a whole lot of news that came out of it, just because of where LSU is right now. It hasn't been a newsy offseason. Things are pretty stable, and so. It wasn't so much like some big groundbreaking thing. The running back stuff was probably the, to me, the most interesting. Um, also, we, you know, we talked a bit about Garrett Nussmeyer, and, and you and know, I can get into more of that if you'd like to. Just that, that kind of stood out. Just sort of how LSU, you know, the pitch to him, and also how Brian Kelly, just sort of big picture, sees having Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels back to back now, having that clear line of succession at the game's most important position. He feels like is sort of a harbinger, is what the word that he used of consistency and to be able to get to the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and how, you know, you're not just set up, a, you know, not just for 2024, but really for LSU long-term as a program, having Garrett Nussfire back, he sees as a huge thing. And yeah, Brian Polian, he is uh, interested in finding somebody else to be that GM. Um, who that's exactly going to be? He said he's in the vetting stages of it. Um, he still also sounds a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's, he said he was in the vetting stages of, of finding a, a candidate it also sounds like he's a little, it's a little bit ambiguous exactly still what that person is going to be asked to do. It's sort of a lot of different kind of things, which is sort of how, you know, Polian's role was described. And so those are probably the ones that stood out the most um, when talking to him. They're just, you know, I hear things, okay? And um, one thing that I've heard, and LSU posted that, no, or Jawan Johnson posted this, has Frank Wilson been formally announced as the recruiting coordinator since Brian Polian has left? I mean, because everybody talking about Frank Wilson right now. I mean, Jawan Johnson put him in the video of him and Jawan celebrating. Is there something that we don't know there? Did did that get it? Did you get any clarity on that, or what are your thoughts? No, Frank does not have the official title of recruiting coordinator. Um, obviously though, he is, was involved heavily in recruiting from the moment that he got to LSU right. with his connections to the state. And it's not necessarily, I think something that needs to be given a title to him because he's going to go out and do it. He, and he's like the godfather of Louisiana, <laughs> Louisiana recruiting. So it's not like he necessarily needs the title unless LSU wanted to use the title as a reason, to like give him a pay bump or right. something. But he's but, already the assistant head coach on paper, isn't he? Yeah, he's running best coach, and that's what I was going to get to. He's already got that a title of assistant or associate head coach. Right. So and that's a way to kind of, you know, give him that, that extra title that then comes with more money. And so um, especially with him and all of his experience coming over from McNeese, having already been a head coach, you know, that made a lot of sense. And so, you know, else you could tack on recruiting coordinator. Um, but, no, what I do understand is, you know, he's always been heavily involved in the recruiting, you know, philosophy and approach since he got to LSU. And that hasn't changed even with Polian going. Maybe it's a little bit heavier, um, but he isn't doesn't officially have that title per se. But I don't think that really matters in the grand scheme of thing, whether or not he has the title, because that's always going to be part of what he does pretty well. So well, I should say, is, is the recruiting in South Louisiana and building those connections. Do you think that uh, Joe Burrow? I am off tonight, man. I look, I have a seventh month old. I don't sleep sometimes. It's the midweek, so you're gonna have to forgive me on these names. Um Jane Daniels, Pro Football Focus College Edition, did an interview with him. And you know what the first thought I thought when Jaden finally did something and and he and Pro Football Focus pushing it the way they did? Do you remember Orlando Pace at Ohio State? when they did like the Mr. Uh, Pancake thing for a Heisman Trophy campaign push. Do you remember that? Not, it was like a 30 for 30. Th- so it was a 30 for 30. If you hadn't seen it, you should go watch it. It's like how teams like promote like a guy and pushing for the Heisman. I'm like, man, how many times is pro football focus going to ask this man about the damn Heisman? Which made me start to think. There's so look, you see it right under you. Bet Online had him at plus seventeen hundred two weeks ago, and the best Heisman Trophy odds. Now he's plus twelve hundred. He's been climbing steadily. He 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 had I think when the markets opened plus two thousand. Now he's all the way up to plus twelve hundred. 
I know that the lines are coming that way because of people betting them a certain way. But are you surprised that like a lot of people nationally are starting to get behind him here? Not too much because especially as you start to fit, get a little bit closer to season and really evaluate where the rest of the – starting with the rest of the SEC and the rest of the country, um, so particularly in the, in the SEC, he's the most proven quarterback coming back. You know, does he finish right. the year as the best quarterback in the league? He's got to go out and do it. But he's – when you're already in that position in the best – in arguably the best conference in the country and you're the best quarterback coming back in the best conference in the country – um, as people start those off-season talking without much going on, kind of like we are, are now, um, you know, his name's going to get brought up a lot, and it's going to probably people who maybe didn't believe in him might start talking themselves into him as a believer. Right. And so then you start that hype train starts to roll a little bit more. Um, I mean, you know, on three, Matt Zenitz, he did a story the other day talking to NFL scouts, and some of them were, were super high on Jaden in that story. And so that right. starts to continue to add to that hype train a little bit that people nationally then say, oh, okay, look at this guy. And so, no, it doesn't really surprise me. You see a lot of that in the offseason every year. And now Jaden is kind of the, the beneficiary of that in a way. Um, going into the season, there's going to be a lot of expected of him. And a lot of people nationally are going to be watching what he does to see if he can push himself into the conversation as a first-round draft pick, as a Heisman contender, and all those things. Because we saw in those three games in particular, you know, Florida, Alabama, and uh, Ole Miss, if he can do that over the course of a season, yeah, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Um, but he's now got now he's got to go out and do it, and all this offseason talk ultimately doesn't matter too much uh, in the grand and all that. But it doesn't surprise me that maybe he's one of these people in the offseason that people start to really latch on to and think about and, and start to hype up. Last one for you is Florida State. Could Florida State and LSU be an appetizer or a preview of the national championship? Ooh. That is an interesting question. So let so let me let me throw this in, Wilson. Now we're the team's already in my ear saying we're clipping this. Cause listen, Keon Coleman's not a scrub now, and they added Keon Coleman today. Bro, name something. Name something that Florida State or LSU has that the the teams are so comparable. Dual threat quarterback, running backs, returning offensive line, wide receivers, two good defensive linemen, good edge rusher. Sound familiar? A, a five-star corner that transferred in, Denver Harris, Vincho Cypress. Man, I, I mean, is this a preview for a natty? It's hard to say at this point, you know, May 17th, <laughs> that it's a preview for a national championship because there's so it, there's just too much time between now and then, but it's it's a reason it's the marquee game of opening weekend. And it's a reason that the winner of this game is firmly in the national championship conversation and in the hunt. And it could be because, you know, not to, I don't want to say definitively but at this point, you know, that it is, but it, it could be a preview potentially because a team that suffers a loss in that game can still make it to the playoff because it's a non-conference game of right. weekend, and it'll have showed the strength of their that schedule especially if both teams have a, a good year like so many people think that they will. And so could they both end up getting there? Uh, yes, even with one of them obviously having to lose. Uh, at this point, I, I don't I don't know if it's a – it's a potential preview, I guess, but there's a lot of other teams that are going to be in the mix for that. Michigan, Georgia, of course, trying to go for a three-peat. Um, Alabama's always going to have a say, even if it looked like they're – you know, have so much that they have to change – um, you know, there's there's a lot of USC with Caleb Williams if their defense has gotten any better. Then, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams out there. But LSU and Florida State are both going to be in the mix. And whoever wins that is is going to have – I'm rambling now, but it's going to have a, a path to the college football playoff. And then, you know, the other team can still get there. So, maybe. I don't know. You're not rambling. I was li I was eating all of it. I was taking all of it in. I loved it, you know. Look, man, I just think uh, – <laughs> You know this. Okay, there are certain games. Like, I I know that you're a Georgia dude, but, you know, like, George, like as an example, when Georgia came to Death Valley in 03, right, and the Matt Malk Skyler Green catch, when Georgia <laughs> – Georgia's on two bad of these, but the Auburn, remember the Nick Marshall, the tip-tip catch? Mm -hmm. Okay, like, man, there are some significant games that we see when both teams are coming in. Like, there's so much hype around this. That, and I know this one's an opener. Man can determine a lot. 
right? Like a lot that goes and, and we talk about it all year and then we kind of build it up to what it is. I think that's Florida State and LSU right now because Wilson, I know that Alabama's Alabama. But Tyler Buckner doesn't and Tommy Reese don't scare me more than what I see Florida State week one. Am I am I wild in that? Am I crazy in thinking that? No, no, this could especially once we get through the entire season, we could look back on that as LSU's most challenging game. No of doubt. The whole year. No doubt. Um we have to let it play out. We have to see how these teams, you know, where they go and what their opponents do. But when we look back on it, absolutely. Because on paper, like you said, there's so much that is interesting about these two teams. Jared Verse, Harold Perkins, and, you know, the way that uh, Jared Verse was was so good in that opener last year and now. But, you know, Will Campbell and Emory Jones have had a year to maybe be able to handle him a little bit better. And um, the two quarterbacks, like you said, and it's, it's also just interesting because – these are two programs that LSU is a little bit different from than this than Florida State. But Florida State was really good for a while, and then it's been down, you know, for a good – I'm losing track of the numbers, but five to seven years yeah, or so. And now yeah, just kind of getting right. back um, to that level. And, you know, LSU had those two down years and is now coming back up. And they're both ascending and trying to break into that highest tier of college football along with the – Georgia's and the Alabama's and the Ohio states that are generally kind of up there over the last few years. And so it's a, a sort of a, a litmus test really early on week one, right away to show if either these teams really can break into that next level. And we'll know, you know, after Labor Day weekend, but even then, especially if it's a competitive game, you like the chances of both of those teams to still be able to make a run. Right. Cause if Florida state hypothetically lost LSU in three weeks, they got Clemson, they take down Clemson and they, I mean, they're, they're right back in the driver's seat, you know? And then I know that I'm rambling here, but Wilson, you know, the other thing I think about, we're building up this Tennessee-Georgia game. I, I mean, because you don't have Stetson Bennett. you got a new offensive coordinator. Can can Tennessee just outscore them? There are just so many storylines that – and look, I, I watched Georgia spring game. Did, did, by the way, did you watch Georgia spring game by chance? Yeah, I watched a lot of the SEC okay. spring games. I got that one too. Okay, Tell me Georgia defensively isn't just as fast as they were a season ago. I don't know who this kid was. I can't remember. Number 24. That kid can flat out fly the, the linebacker. Okay? That kid can fly. So, I'm just like, <laughs> where'd they lose? What'd they lose? What's funny is that last year, Georgia was actually sort of rebuilding on defense after losing Shit. five first-round draft picks the year before <laughs> off the 2021 team. Um, they were young defensively, and although they lost Jalen Carter, who, when he wants to be, is their best was their best defensive player and the engine of that of that defensive front, um, they are loaded with five stars. They are where LSU is trying to get to in five years with building multiple recruiting classes on top of each other. So when you lose a few transfers, it's okay, and when you lose fifteen draft picks, uh, it's okay. You can still go back to back. Um, and so yeah, they're actually they should be just fine on defense, if not better than they were a year ago, because a lot of these guys are going to be older. Smile Mondin and Jamon Dumas Johnson at linebacker. And, you know, they've got some whole, you know, people to replace Christopher Smith with a safety who was really reliable fifth year guy last year. And so they've got to, you know, reload in a couple of spots, but like they've got an edge rusher freshman, Mikhail Williams a year ago, who is now going to be a starter and he right. was a five-star. And so they're able to bring guys up because Kirby Smart has recruited so well. They've got to fix things offensively. Carson Beck probably is going to be the starting quarterback, but they bring in Dominic Lovett, you know, a transfer from Missouri who was fantastic last year, and, and they've got a lot of pieces. And so, Brock Bowers that, didn't right go now, anywhere either. Brock, yeah. I mean, Brock Bowers didn't go anywhere neither. Exactly. So, you know, they're <laughs> going to be a force still in the East. It's hard to three-peat. It, I, don't, has it, I don't think it's ever done. No. If it has. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, I don't think so. And so – I, I don't see it happening just because that is so hard to do. Like you said, little things happen, like the tips in the in Auburn. Like Alabama was trying to three-peat um, in 2013, and then Auburn has the kick sits, you know, and little random stuff right. like that happens. Right, but, um, right. <laughs> so that's, that's the Georgia synopsis, I suppose, at this point. Well, until a guy who everybody's getting – why does Stetson Bennett get so much hate? Why, as I get you at it, why does people hate on Stetson so much? It's – it's a that's a layered conversation. It's and it, it's because he's he's a little bit cocky, you know. And I mean, he can't comes in as a walk on, and people want to tell you that you just can't do it. 
and he does it, but he is still sort of, as he won, he was very cocky in doing so. Um, and maybe at times, like with the championship parade, he didn't seem to show a lot of appreciation for the support that he has gotten. And so that annoyed a lot of people in Georgia's fan base. And um, so that's part of it. Um, but it is, I think, sometimes unfair at times, just like anything you know, else that, you know, Oh, there, but there are, I guess, you know, the noise kind of comes up, but there are, I know, a lot of Georgia fans who are very appreciative of what he did because they went 40 years without a championship and he helped deliver two of them. But it, it was just sort of the cockiness and sort of the, the this message that, you know, oh, nobody doubted us, or excuse me, everybody doubted us and y'all thought we were going to go five and seven. It was like, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I, how he got them people to believe in that is, is, mind-blowing look nobody said anything when joe burrow had a cigar ready and a and i had that had bdj on it okay so come on all right wilson alexander from the advocate buddy thank you so much always fantastic man i still owe you that lunch by the way <laughs> i always take lunch i like food all right brother well we'll do it we'll do it next week you got my word all right wilson all right. alexander see, good night. see you man all right always fantastic that dude's really good man he's really good so talk about a good friend, Carol Falso over at State Farm. Stay back. We're going to talk about the SEC. We're going to add on to that. We touch, that, touch on that next. Guys, you might know my good friend, Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with the great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985 985- 395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. If you watch the Rafino and Joe show, I uh, earlier... Gave my predictions on the SEC East. Since we just talked to Wilson Alexander about the SEC East, I think we should end the show by talking about it. This is the order that I have. I, I'm intrigued to listen to all of you and, and get your opinion. So if name your top seven. Here's my top seven in the SEC East. You ready? In order. Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri at number four, South Carolina, Florida, and Vandy. I agree with Wilson. Look, man, they have dudes. Now, can they can they three-peat? You know, like this isn't this isn't the Carter three, right? Like we're talking about them doing something that that's unheard of. You know, if, if we're talking about Georgia potentially going on a three-peat. So as we talk about these SEC East, are, are, wh- who, who is going to be in order, the seven, in the SEC East? Just to remind you, we had Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, and number four, South Carolina, Florida, and Vandy. Georgia's just loaded, man. And do I think they can slip up, go 11-1? and one? Yeah. Could they lose in the SEC Championship game? Maybe. Who, who knows? This isn't the Carter three. This isn't uh, – uh, you're not going to go repeat C3. You could. Don't think it's going to happen. We'll find out. Tennessee, I, I just think offensively they're going to be a juggernaut. And I don't know how you stop them. I, I really don't know how you stop Tennessee. Joe Milton did do some things. Now, is he hitting hooker? No. But – if he is what everybody thinks he can be, if Joe Milton is what everybody thinks he can be, can that one loss be from Tennessee to Georgia? Tennessee always has a tough schedule. We'll find that out. The interesting thing that for me, and and, and, and really thinking about this, so Joe and I have been kind of talking about this for the last two weeks and really just doing our due diligence, Missouri. 
Now, LSU plays Missouri this upcoming season. They have back-to-back road games in the SEC. The last time LSU had that and was victorious in both of those was in 2019 when they played Alabama, and then the following week they play at Ole Miss. Missouri's got a lot of production. And I do think at the end of all of this, they are a better – they could be a better better team than South Carolina, Florida, and Vandy. Eli Drinkwitz is fighting for his outright job right now. He's fighting for his job. Can he get to 8-4 and four and save himself? That defense is very fundamentally sound. They lost four games – by one possession or less, meaning, or no, just one possession. No, you can't more than one possession. You get what I'm saying. They lost four games on one possession. I meant to say seven points or less. I think Missouri might be a little bit more uh, solid of a team than we're giving them credit for. <laughs> that is my hot take of the night. And I could be easily wrong there. Florida. Guys, I have Florida at five and seven at number six. I'll tell you why. I don't have really any faith in Billy Napier. I don't know where they got better. I don't think their quarterback's better. I don't think they're better. It's gonna be interesting to find out. All right, let's get on out of here. Episode seven hundred. Before you leave, don't forget to hit that like and share. We'll see y'all tomorrow after the LSU game. Be fun. We're going to do a post game. See you there. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.